All right, let's go to Roman chapter 1. Now, I know everybody's tired and everything, and my wife's scared to death I'm going to preach for an hour. And I've had this for last week, and I've had a whole other week to develop it more and think about it. So I'm going to try my best, but you got to listen. This is one of those things where you just have to listen as I go through this, because it's, it's just so much to think about. But it's simple, yet it's real simple. If you want my outline, I'll give it to you. You can also go on Sermon Audio and you can print out the outline of every sermon that I put up. It's on there. It's a PDF file and you can print it out. I've been doing that for a long time. There's people every week that downloaded, you know, a number of them. And so, you know, that's always available to you. You ask me, Brother Mike asked me once in a while for him, and I was giving to him. I don't care if it'll help you. Thought about printing out something to help you, but it's but that'd be the best thing for you. Let's read Romans chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty-two. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." When I get to studying on things like this and it develops in my mind and understanding, I go to looking at situations and people and lives and things, people's lives I remember from the past, people that are in right now. And it's amazing to me how accurate, dead on accurate that is right there. You can trace it in their life. And see, that's exactly what happens. What we read there in the, in the lies. They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. <laughs> it's so obvious. All right. So, again, in Romans 1 here, it spells out the steps that lead us away from God and into depravity and a reprobate mind. That's where this ends. You go from knowing God... Knowing about God, being aware of God, to being a total reprobate mind, rejected of God. Given over to vile affections, given up to uncleanness, and unto a reprobate mind. Now that's how you get there. And so that's what this is about. It's made very clear how it happens, and we're foolish if we don't study it closely and become very familiar with how the devil executes his plan of destruction for us. We're, this is part of this, of this uh, study about spirits that we've been talking about, spiritual things. That's what this is about. How the devil defeats you. How he wins the battle against you. How he destroys you. Destroys your children, your other loved ones. Other people you know. I mean, it just absolutely fits every life, every time it happens. You, you just, if you study this like I have and understand it, you'll be able to see it. And the important thing about it all is not understanding it after the fact so we can look at the wreck and see 
Well, I know how that happened. No, that's not the point here. The point is so we wise up and start watching the road before we crash or before somebody else crashes. Knowing how to drive. Knowing how to navigate through all of this without shipwrecking. It's very clear, you know, how it happens. And so we're foolish if we don't study it closely and become very familiar with how the devil executes his plan of destruction for us. It's very clear in the Word of God that the mind is the battleground and the arena where this spiritual warfare takes place. We say that often. You've got to understand that. That's of utmost importance. It's in your mind. That's where this battle takes place. And the whole point of studying the Bible to learn how the mind works then is to make us better able to resist the devil and have victory over the evil powers in this world that intend to destroy our soul. That's why we studied the Bible, so we can understand how this happens and what's going on, not only in our own life, but in the lives of others that matter. Our children, our spouse, our brethren, other people. We can do something about it if we understand what's going on. But if we're ignorant and just stumbling along, we're not a help to anybody and we're just going to be spectators to the disaster that's coming. So, I wish I'd have known this years ago. Oh, if I could have understood these things. So the things we see and we hear are absorbed by our mind. And then a person begins to put all the pieces together to form a view of the world around us, the people that are in it, and the God who created it all. This is, we're getting into what I'm going to talk about tonight. It begins as soon as we're born into this world and it continues until we die. We're seeing, we're hearing, we're listening, we're feeling, we're putting all this stuff, we're continually taking in all of our life. We're drinking it into our mind. Data from around us. And then we start processing it in our mind. And there's where the devil works. I mean, he works from the, from the gate all the way through the whole thing. The gate is when we see, hear, and then we begin to process it. You know, I've said before, it's a, a child. When he's born, he knows nothing. And as they grow, they begin to be aware of the world around them in just a few months while they're aware of people the world around them and things, and they, they start crawling. Then they start walking. Then they start talking, and they're gathering the information. I mean, Dorothy just turned five years old, and if you had to write in a book all that she's learned in the first five years of her life, it'd keep you busy for a long time, and it'd be a big book. It's incredible what they take in, what we take in in the first few years of our life. And we continue to do it all through our life. But the way it's processed in those first few years makes the difference of, for all your life. The Catholics have always said if you'll give us a child until he's four years old, he'll be a Catholic all of his life. And they're pretty well right about that. So those are the formative years. <clears throat> but you never stop being uh, moldable and formable. At every stage of this process, the devil's there. And He's present. And He's working to turn our minds into a way that seems right, but ends in death. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So you don't want to... But he, that's what His goal is. To get us to thinking we're doing right. We're thinking right. To get us to think we understand the truth. A fool is right in all His ways. I mean, he, He's 
got it figured out. The fool does. So, but we're not ignorant of his devices. And it'll, it, it'll do us an immeasurable good to study, to show ourselves approved unto God in this matter right here. All right, now, please listen to me. I'm going to try to be simple. There's a method common to all men by which we gather and process information in our mind because there's the battlefield, there's where it all happens, so we've got to understand how it works. First, there's perception. And if you just start studying imagination, if you look up the definitions, and if you'll study it in the Bible and run it through the Bible, and you'll, you'll find these things connected with... I mean, it'll just explain it to you. How this all works. First, there's perception. That's when the mind takes notice of external objects through the senses. We perceive or, or we're made aware of an object or an idea or a fact. That's your perception. You know, you told me one time somebody at work told you that perception is reality. Well, <laughs> There's a little bit of truth to that. It's not really true, but it's but it but it translates into truth for a lot of people because what they see they believe. And it becomes their reality. They're deceived. That's the whole thing we're talking about here. Perception is when you see something, when you hear something. It's when you look and you see it. Then there's apprehension. That means to take or seize, to take hold of and commit to memory, to possess, to understand. To comprehend is another word we use for what happens here with the information we receive. You apprehend it. You understand it. Paul talked about, I've not yet apprehended. I don't claim to have apprehended. Nevertheless, he, he said, I press toward the mark. <coughs> I'm striving to apprehend, to get a hold of it, to understand it to get my mind around it, where I can claim it. Right. See? Yeah. You perceive. You see. You hear. And a lot of it just goes in one ear and out the other. A lot of people see, but they don't see. Jesus talked about that a lot. The Bible talked about it in the Old Testament. They have eyes to see, but they see not. They don't perceive. Mm -hmm. It's when you see it. It's when you hear it. It's when you put your attention to it. It's, you know, all that you see is not real, though. Your perception, you can be deceived right there. And a lot of people are. The perception is the gate. It's the gateway to your mind. You open the gate. It's the gate through which everything comes into your mind. And then there's apprehension. You keep it. You know, a lot of people come and they hear the Word of God, but they don't keep it. It don't stay here. They don't apprehend it. They don't comprehend it. They don't keep it. They don't seize upon it. They don't possess it. They don't commit it to memory. They forget it. As soon as there seeds that fell by the wayside. It's gone. They didn't keep it. It's the things you keep that make you what you are. <clears throat> it's the things you apprehend. The things you comprehend. The things you look at and keep. Remember. The things you hear and remember. <clears throat> Third, there is conception. This is what happens to everything you see, hear, understand <coughs> in your mind. After you 
Commit it to your mind and keep it. There's things you just remember on purpose. You keep them in your mind. You store them away for later. Then there's conception. Now listen, what does it mean to conceive? If a woman conceives a child, what does that mean? That means there's a new life there. There's something new. Something that is created out of parts that are put together. Think about it. That's what happens in your mind. Give me a drink of that water. Thank you. Alright? It means to form in the mind. To be able to visualize. Y'all listening now. Listen to this because it is just exactly how it is. It means to call to memory and to look at the object perceived and apprehended. Alright, now listen. The act of conceiving in the mind is that mental act by which an idea or notion... I'll talk about that in a minute. An idea or a notion. Do you know what the difference is? We'll talk about that in a minute. Is formed of an object absent of perception or of a sensation formerly felt. It's when you remember something and you, you can see it in your mind. <coughs> you can feel it. A conception. You know, we're always talking about smells remind us of Mexico. and <coughs> You know how you associate songs with people and situations and a moment sometime back there in the past? Smells, <coughs> fragrances, Excuse me. So the act of conceiving in the mind is that mental act by which an idea or notion is formed of an object absent of perception or something else that you remember on purpose. Alright, so when we can see an object with our eyes open, we have a perception of it. I can see that cup sitting right there. I can see Alyssa sitting right there. I can see Gary sitting back there. that's a perception Mm -hmm. (laughs) Esther's not here but I can see her sitting back there in that chair in Dakota where they always sit that's a conception you see it's being able to see things that you've seen before but they're not there anymore kind of like memory but it's but you know I say I can see her but it's not really real see just in here in my mind now, it can be real in my mind, but not real in reality, say. It's that stage <clears throat> when we begin to get set in our ways. We make up our minds. Conception. It's where we've settled on an acceptance or rejection of any certain way of looking at things. Do you ever wonder what happens to people when they sit in church for years uh, or a young person who grows up from a child in church and they get to a certain point and they just walk away from it? <clears throat> you know what happened? They conceived in their mind. Yeah. Right. They just put it all together and something was conceived there. Somebody else had a little input into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Who? Yeah. The yeah. devil. That's right. Or devils. Yes, sir. Absolutely. We form concepts of things. Concept is something conceived. They are cemented into our thinking so that they form the structure of our views of everything else we encounter 
to think about. They're then called ideas. Did you ever hear the saying, well, he has his own ideas? She has her own ideas about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, we talk about people looking through glasses, like Calvinist glasses. Somebody who's a Calvinist, when they read the Bible, they interpret it through Calvinistic doctrine. Ideas that they have cemented in their mind. And I ain't going to turn loose of them. Everything has to be run through that filter, which is what they've conceived in their mind. Conceptions, ideas that they've created out of perceptions and apprehensions. So it doesn't matter what you look at, what you watch, what you listen to, who you're around. Yes, it does. It it determines who you're going to be, which way you're going to go. And ultimately, it determines your eternal destiny. Conceit is another form of this word. Conception. Conceive. Conceit. It means conception. That which is conceived, imagined, or formed in the mind. Thought. Image. Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 16, Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Because when you start conceiving things, you suddenly become wise. Yes. Professing themselves to be wise. Professing themselves to be wise. (coughs) Romans 11.25 For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That the blindness, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. <coughs> I'll knock it off of there. <coughs> One more verse, Proverbs 26, verse 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. So be careful about all of these steps. What you perceive, what you apprehend, and then what you conceive in your mind. Those things you make up your mind about. (laughs) Oh, you better be very careful right there. Man, I could stop, but i got to hurry here. All right. So then, there's perception, there's apprehension or comprehension, and then there's conceiving conceiving, and then there's imagination. That's what the Scripture is talking about here. They became vain in their imaginations. So listen to me. We've got to sort this out, and then we'll talk about what the application, and then we'll go home. Imagine. It means to take the perceptions and conceptions we have in our mind and modify them and rearrange them and add to them or Create to create our own ideas according to our fancy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Or what we like. We create a, in our own mind a world that is more to our liking. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we see all the problems. We know how to fix them. Mm-hmm. Nobody else does, but we do. Yeah. I mean, we, we just imagine things away. We imagine things uh, into existence, but it's only in our imagination. 
And then we go about to manipulate things and people around us to make our fantasy real. Does this fit these transgender and sodomites and everything else in this world? It absolutely does. I can look at them and see, oh Lord, have mercy, just exactly what happened to them. In order to understand imagination and how it works, we've got to be clear about some words that define it. So when you look at imagine or imagination, here's what it says. It says, to form a notion or idea in the mind. It, it means to fancy, the dictionary says. To fancy. We're going to look at that word in just a minute. To form ideas or representations in the mind by modifying and combining our conceptions. I'm reading to you out of the dictionary. To contrive in purpose, to scheme, to devise. To conceive, to have a notion or idea. There it is again. Notion or idea. Alright, idea. This is interesting. You know what an idea is? Do you know how to say it in Latin? You know what the Latin word for idea is? Video. Video. Wow. Yeah. It is. I looked it up. It's the dictionary says so. And I looked it up. And that's what it means. The Latin word for I see is video. Idea. Literally, that which is seen. An idea is literally that which is seen Hence, form, image, or model of anything in the mind. That which is held or comprehended by the understanding or intellectual faculties. An idea. An idea signifies the same thing as conception, apprehension, and notion. To have an idea of anything is to conceive it. Hope you're listening. According to modern writers on mental philosophy, an idea is the object of thought or the notice which the mind takes of its perception. So, perception, apprehension, conception, and imagination, and it deals with ideas, an idea, see. In popular use, idea signifies notion, conception, thought, opinion, and even purpose or intention. It also means, idea means, an image in the mind. Do you see why God said, Thou shalt make no graven images? Do you see the root of what He was talking about? Do you think that a, a picture on the wall is what He was talking about, basically? No, it's in your mind. The Bible talk, Ezekiel talked about the chambers of their imagery in their minds. The image. That's where idolatry starts. That's where real imagery is. It's imagination. That's what he's talking about. Don't imagine. You can imagine a human body with a horse's head. That's imagination. You can make God anything you want to in your imagination. You can make anybody else anything you want to in your imagination. You can make them a villain or a saint. So many things. It means an image in the mind. An opinion, a proposition. These decisions are very, are incomparable with the idea that the principles are derived from the civil law. That's just an illustration he used. All right, there's another word. Uh, notion. 
I, I bet you anything that none of you here know the difference between a notion and an idea. We read it several times in the definitions of these words, notion and idea. Notion and idea are primarily different. Idea being the conception of something visible and notion the conception of things invisible or intellectual. As the notion we have of spirits. That's what the dictionary says. So see, you can have ideas and you can have notions. You can have ideas about things you've seen and heard and felt and touched and worked with and used and tasted and all of that. You can have ideas. That's ideas. But notions are same as ideas, but it's about things that are not seen. That plays into what, how you think, what you imagine, what you believe, what you conceive. It plays into how you perceive things. People see what they want to see yes. most of the time. Yes. You see what you want to see. Yep. And you refuse to see what you don't want to see. Yep. You refuse to believe it. They call it denial. It's right there in front of your face, but you say, no, 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 it can't be. Ain't going to be. I ain't believing it. You've heard that before. That's just refusing to perceive. Well, fancy. Here's another word. It's contracted from fantasy. The Greek word is fantasia. <laughs> it's fantasy. Make believe. Play, you know, like child play. Pretend. The faculty by which the mind forms images or representations of things at pleasure. Fancy has to do with pleasure. Fancy's a positive... Uh, I mean, it's your imagination working in a, in a way that's positive for you. It's what you want, so you imagine it. It's uh, the faculty by which the mind forms images or representations of things at pleasure. It is often used as synonymous with imagination, but imagination is rather the power of combining and modifying our conceptions. And fancy is just kind of wishing, you know, wishing upon a star. You know, just imagining how you'd like it to be. Inclination, liking, take that which suits your fancy. How does that strike your fancy? You've heard all this. That's what it really means. It also means a false notion. Now remember what a notion is? A fancy is a false notion. <laughs> Something that pleases or entertains without real use or value. Fancy. Well, that's a fancy shirt you got on. That's a fancy car you got. You see? You see? So the scripture here refers to the fact that when people stop glorifying God as God, they're not thankful, and then they become vain in their imaginations. Now, the imagination works off of the things we perceive, apprehend, and conceive in our mind through our senses. These things become ideas that we form and then piece together in our mind to create our overall view of the world around us, the people around us, moral values and laws, 
in God who created everything. Children have a very active imagination. So it is of supreme importance that what they see and hear and experience are healthy to their soul and their mind and their imagination. If they see demons and they see evil representations, visual representations of evil, their imagination is going to go to work on that. Don't forget that they not only perceive, but they apprehend and they conceive from what they see and hear. And it ain't what, it might not be what you do. It probably won't be the same way you do. That's why people go in so many different directions. That's why children can grow up in a Christian home under supposedly all the right influences and hear the same things and come to a different conclusion, conception. Because the imagination and the devil entering in on every step of this along the way. Unseen. Everybody unaware. Everybody unconcerned about that part of it. Everybody just total oblivious to that reality that evil spiritual powers are at work on your perception, on your apprehension, on your conception, and majorly in your imagination. And we miss it. See, we miss it. We miss it with the children when they're very little. We just let everything grow wild like a garden we don't tend. And then we wonder what happened because we took them to church and we taught them about the Bible and we prayed with them and we loved them and we wonder what happened. Well, while men slept, the enemy sowed tears everywhere. So the imagination works off of the things we perceive and apprehend and conceive in our mind through our senses. And these things become ideas that we form and then piece together in our mind to create our overall view of the world around us, the people around us, moral values and laws, and God who created everything. We've all got our files in our minds of ideas, things we've settled on, what we believe. This is how it is. This is how it works. This is what I believe. You know, it got so bold now that this is my truth. Might not be your truth, but it's my truth. Well, there's no such thing as that. See, truth is not subjective. It's objective. Truth is truth. No matter what we do with it in our crazy minds, under the influence of the devil, the truth is the truth. And the only way to be free is to believe the truth. Know the truth. And it'll make you free. You won't be entrapped and snared in your mind. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but at every point... The devil is present to insert his influence in what we perceive, what we apprehend, what we conceive, and what we imagine. He's the God of this world, and he's the prince and power of the air. So he can control to a great extent what we see and what we hear. You need to think about that. He absolutely does. He is in control. You say, well, the Democrats in control of the media. No, the devil's in control of the media. He's in control of everything that we entertain ourselves with, that we pass our time with, that we feast our eyes on, and we allow to drum our ears with every day. They're taught their information that's all polluted through his influence. And so our perception 
is skewed and messed up and defiled and polluted. And so what we're drinking in is poison to our minds and to our soul. He's the author of lies and deceit. So what you see or hear can always be tainted and twisted because of His meddling with it. If we could just get Christians to really believe that and understand it. To put that idea in their mind and count it as bank, it'd change everything. But we just keep listening. We keep searching for answers. And we keep, as what I talked about, about turning away from God, not glorifying God as God. We look to them for answers and explanations and guidance in our life about everything in our life instead of God. And we're off the track then. What you see is not always what you get when you apprehend it. <clears throat> he, he said, eat the fruit. It's good, to, it's good to look at. It'll make you wise. It'll be desired to make you wise. And if you eat it, your eyes will be open. You'll be as God's. And you'll know right and wrong. Good and evil. <clears throat> she, she took of the fruit and did eat. She gave it to her husband with her. And he did eat. But... Boy, when their eyes were opened, it wasn't like the devil said it was going to be. Wasn't what they were promised. Not what she perceived didn't turn out that way at all. I'll take a chance. I'll put it way over there. (laughs) So what you see is not always what you get. You can be very easily tricked, fooled, deceived by what you see and hear. When will we ever learn that lesson? Magicians make their living. Sleight of hand. You remember the guy that jipped me out of our parakeets down in Mexico with that fake canary? He did it. We watched him close. We had everybody watching. We knew they were crooks. They had a name for being crook guys that went around selling birds. And he got us. He got me. He got all of our parakeets and some money for this little worthless canary bird that he painted or something. But I don't know what it was. But anyway, he tricked us. That bird would just sing so pretty. He says, look at that, just singing. He did, didn't he? We thought it was the same bird. Something. He got us. <clears throat> the devil can do that. He does it more often than we think. We swallow it down. And it's poison. We believe it's right. We believe it's true. We believe it's what we want. We believe it's real. And it's not. You can very easily be tricked. Once you perceive something and seize upon it, comprehend, apprehend, and commit it to your memory as true when it's not true, your reasoning from that point on will be faulty and dangerous to your soul as well as to anybody that you influence with your corrupted mind. Your mind being corrupted. Corrupt mind. Study that in the Bible. That's what he's talking about right there. You got poison in it. You got lies in it. You got falsehood in it. You got deceit in it because of your perception where you got fooled. Because you wasn't aware of the devil. You wasn't wise to his tricks. You thought you was wise enough to know what to believe and not to believe. You thought you knew what you were saying. You know, you've heard people say, I've seen it with my own eyes. They've seen Bigfoots, they've seen UFOs, they've seen ghosts and angels and God Himself. I've seen Him with my own eyes. <clears throat> mm. 
Do you think that somebody like that, do you think they're willfully lying? Not always. They really believe it. Their perception, they got fooled, they got deceived themselves at the perception, at the side of it. What if you go out tonight and there's something up in the sky over there, a light flashing, moving around funny? You're going to say, I I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. Then it's got to be aliens from another planet. It's going to take more than that to fool me on that kind of junk. Same with the Bigfoot, angels, anything else. (coughs) Paul said, if I or an angel from heaven preach to you any other gospel, you better not believe him. Let him be accursed. An angel from heaven, let him be accursed. In other words, he's saying you better be careful what you believe and who you believe. And how you're, how easily you swallow things because of the amazing view of it that you got. Yes. Sin is believing. No, it's not. So once you perceive something and you and you apprehend it, you take it in, you grab it. And say, I'm keeping that one. File it away. It's truth. Your your thinking is messed up from then on. That's why you can't convert Pentecostals, Catholics, anybody else. Independent Baptists. You can't get them to see the truth for for love or money. No. They are set in their ways. You ever hear that expression? That means they have filed these ideas around and they've dropped anchor right there. They've pile-drived them as far down as they can and they ain't moving. You're not going to uproot none of that. See, the Apostle Paul said he had to count everything in his past that he'd ever learned as dung. He counted all things lost for Christ. And until you come to that place, you're never going to get out of the snare. The devil's got you in in your mind. And you need to understand that about people. When you're dealing with people, that's what you got right there. You got a mind that is hardened, a heart that's hardened, a mind that's hardened and set in concrete. So we got to be very careful about what we perceive or let through the gate into our mind. And we must also be very careful about what we accept as true. Apprehend. Got to be careful right there. What we apprehend and allow into our thought process as we reason about everything else. You know, it's a, it's a thing you have to exercise your mind about. I believe things. And I think I'm grounded in things. But, I'm, but nothing is ever off limits for examining to see if it's really right or not. People say, oh, you're so hard-headed and dogmatic and stubborn and you don't... No, not really. If you really knew my heart, you wouldn't believe that about me. Because I know this stuff's true. I don't want to be that person who is so blinded by what I believe yes, that I can't see the truth. Yes, sir. Yes. And that I and that God can't open up new understanding areas where I don't understand and I'm ignorant to let me see. Right. You got to hold it all loosely. That's right. Your ideas I'm talking about. Yes. Not the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. 
if it's God's truth. But there's where people get mixed up and the devil will convince somebody that their idea is God's truth. Yes. yes. <laughs> no. No, what I think, I'm fallible. I'm deceivable. I am, am easily deceived by the things around me and everything if I'm not very careful and if God's not leading me and if I don't cast every, all my care upon Him and allow Him to guide me and, and protect me from all this, I'm liable to fall into any kind of error. And I've got to be aware of that and I've got to own up to that and live in that, in that danger. So... So we've got to be careful about what we perceive. We've got to be careful about what we apprehend or allow to come into our thought process. This is just basically ruling your own spirit so that you're not like a city that's broken down and without walls. The devil's not only involved in the physical world around us, but here's the thing about him. He can also cross over into the spiritual realm. He can interfere with our thoughts and our reasoning in our minds, which is the spiritual realm. I had a, we had a woman on Facebook one time. She said that when you pray, you should whisper because if you speak out loud, the devil can hear you. She said that. And she believed that. That when you pray, you ought to pray silently because if you pray out loud, the devil can hear you. <laughs> the devil can enter into your thoughts. Yes. He's, he's a spiritual being. Yes, he's a spiritual evil being. Yes. <clears throat> he can suggest thoughts in your mind. Yes, he's there. Now, I can't be in your thoughts, Seth, or any of the rest of you. I don't know what's going on in your head. Right. You don't know what's going on in mine. Right. And, but the devil, he's got access to that mm -hmm. also. So he can work in there. He's not only involved in manipulating the world around you so you'll see things differently. He can go right on in. Follow it right on in to your thinking, your conception, your yes. imagination. <clears throat> so he can interfere with our thoughts and reasoning in our mind. That's a spiritual realm. You've you got to understand that. That's where the battle's at. That's a spiritual realm, our thoughts and reasoning. It's a spiritual realm. It's unseen. It's only known by you and God and spiritual beings. So, <clears throat> He can trick us into apprehending or comprehending something and forming an idea about it which is totally wrong because our perception was wrong. Follow me. I'm coming down on it here close, but now stay with me. So then where Satan can establish, that's where Satan can establish a stronghold is our imagination. Stronghold of Satan. It's not the bar down the street. Stronghold of Satan. Stronghold of Satan is the imagination of your mind. This is where He can fully communicate with us in the spiritual realm and influence our thinking to bring about our destruction. Eve imagined what it would be like to eat that fruit and what it would be like after she ate the fruit as she listened to His suggestions and His lies as He flat out 
lied. You shall not surely die. He lied to her. And she imagined and followed it on through. So he lies to, he's a liar. And that's his outstanding characteristic and his outstanding ability. He is a liar and the father of them. He, so he lies to us in our mind about the things we've seen and heard and felt. Oh, listen to that. He lies to us about the things we've seen and heard and felt. Dealing with other people. He lies to us. Somebody says something and you just, <laughs> then you go off and think about it. Well, what did they mean by that? Why did they say that to me? Well, you think they, maybe they know something I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're doing this. Or, and the first thing you know, man, you've got a whole big drama playing out in your mind. and It's not real. So he lies to us. And then we begin to form ideas and opinions based upon imagination rather than reality. So when the devil is involved, these ideas are either fancies of bliss. Listen to me. If the devil's involved, these imaginations that we're thinking about, they're either fancies of bliss and pleasure or they're ideas of bitterness and hatred toward other people and God. So you're forming ideas, things to keep, opinions, concepts. And as you're imagining, see, you're manipulating all of these things and putting them together and changing them and adding to them. If the devil's involved, it's going to be one or the other. It's going to be fancies and pleasure. You know, pipe dreams. Or it's going to be bitterness and hatred about somebody and what they've done to you or God and what he's done to you and how he's forsaken you and what he want, has done to what he should have done for you that he hasn't and how he's been unfair to you when the devil is involved you become the hero in your imagination <laughs> the all knowing the all understanding all wise God of your own little universe you become wise in your own conceits you profess yourself to be wise too. Yeah. And become a fool. Yeah, that's right. Satan's able to ensnare us in our minds and establish a stronghold there. How does he do it? Through our lust and desires. Every time, every time, every time. James chapter 1 verse 14 through 16. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished... Bringeth forth death, do not err, my beloved brethren. Lust when it hath what? Conceived. It's when you settle on something. Make up your mind. It's when you put together the scenario just how you think it is. Or how you want it to be. First John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He works to ensnare us as we're perceiving things around us. A lot of the time, what we see is what we want to see. Just like I said before. This means that our lust and desires change the way we see it, hear it, or feel it. About things. You with me? What you want, what you desire, changes the way you see it. Yes. Perceive it. Oh, yeah. Hear it. Yep. Perceive it. Yep. 
the way you take it. So he works to get us to remember certain things and forget certain things. Apprehension. He works to get us to remember certain things and to forget certain things. For example, the things that appeal to our lust and desires we keep and the things that do not we forget. Why is it so hard to remember a sermon? Why is it so hard to remember Scripture? And why is it so easy to remember stupid jokes? Or something that just really suits your fancy. Mm -hmm. It's the devil working on your mind in the apprehension of things. He works to influence us to conceive things in a crooked way. A froward mouth, a froward mind, a perverse mind, a perverse tongue. The Bible talks about these things. So he works to, con- to influence us to conceive things in a crooked way so that our reasoning from that point on leads us away from righteousness and into self-pleasing and then sin and death. He works to help us in our mind Put things together crooked in our mind. Our ideas become crooked. You know, perverse. Different than, you know, crooked. Not right. Not straight. Not according to truth. Just adding some things to it. We may hear or see something and understand it to be true. But after thinking on it a while, we somehow put it with other ideas we've picked up in the past... And after reasoning about it, we conceive a way to put it in another folder of our mind and keep it out of sight or reject it entirely. That's what happens with people who sit in church for years, young people who grow up in church and then leave. That's what happened. The devil helped them to change their mind about some things. To invent new ways to look at things, to understand things. They added to their perceptions and conceptions other things that other people had perceived and conceived and plugged them into your mind and thinking and polluted your pure mind. And then you become just like them. Defiled in your mind. He works in our imagination through the lusts and desires of the flesh. Since imagination can create things out of nowhere, it's wide open to his suggestions. I'm talking about the devil. Unless it's owned and occupied by the Spirit of God. Your imagination. God must, to walk after the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and not walk after the flesh, means God has to have control of your imagination. He has to be Lord there as well as in your outward life and the things you don't do anymore and the things you, you know. These outward sins are piddly compared to this. It's the stronghold of Satan. It's where he gets you and seals your doom forever. It's where he turns you into a reprobate. Gives you over to vile affections. We ain't even got there yet, but I mean, this is all prerequisite to that. This has to happen before that happens. To uncleanness. Your mind has to be defiled, polluted. And imagination is a powerful tool when Satan is in control of it. 
And boy, that is an understatement right there. Most people would rather live there than in the real world. That's why virtual reality is a thing now. Just put on your goggles and live in another world. It's not real. It's all imagination. With the aid of your senses which are being fooled. See, Your senses are being uh, presented with a false reality. False data. Pictures, images, feelings, smells now. Fall, uh, virtual reality. What does that mean? Think about it. Yeah. But how does it... How do they have to do it to make you indulge yourself in it? They, you put goggles over your eyes, you put earbuds in your ears, and and sensors now. They've got sensors that you can put on your body so you can touch and feel other people over the internet and all of this. And oh, yeah. Crazy stuff. Oh, yes. Smell, they're working on that real hard to get that involved too. So all of your physical senses, see, your sensors... <laughs> To, to bring in the data to your mind from the world around you. You see, they're covering them all up and feeding them directly, just like intravenously feeding you into your mind false data. Right. As if it wasn't easy enough the way it is, with your eyes wide open and your ears wide open. <laughs> There's only one way to be safe from the destruction of your life and your soul. And that is to cast yourself completely upon God and put your heart, mind, and soul in His hands. That's why you've got to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. And we just talked and talked about that. God has to be everything to you. For Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Again, this same verse, but listen to it now in light of all of this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, it ought to be very easy to see how important it is to have your will and your heart and your mind and your body subject to God and under the control of His Holy Spirit through His Word. If You know, if you listen and you understand half of this, you ought to be able to see how important it is to submit yourself to God. And to put yourself under the shadow of His wings. Because you're very vulnerable in this dark world to the evil spiritual powers and it's what matters. It's what's going to matter in eternity. It's what matters right now. But it's what matters in eternity. Where you end up, where these children end up, it's all going to be determined down this road we've just been describing. It's all going to happen in their minds by what they see, what they hear, how they process it in their minds and how much the devil has to do with their seeing, hearing, and processing in their mind and their imagination. How can we know what somebody's thinking? Well, we can't. That's where, that's a scary part. <clears throat> all we can do is just preach the truth. 
You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. All those basic things that preachers have preached about all my life and all through the last thousands of years and are so familiar, but yet they just, the more, the longer I go, the more rich and the more they rings true, just like that little statement that Jesus made. Truth will make you free. All this is about being ensnared by the devil in your mind. He don't put chains around your feet and your hands and shackle you and blind you and all of that in your eyes. I mean, you can see and you can hear and you can feel and you can think and all that, but he entraps you in your mind. That's what we need to understand when we're looking at people that are lost. You need to understand, man, they have been taken captive by the devil at his will. And I just explained to you how he done it. This is how he done it to you before you were saved, if you're saved tonight. And being delivered from sin is being delivered from this. Having, by the renewing of your mind and the washing of water by the Word. See? <laughs> it's being enlightened. Having your understanding opened. You can see. It's like it's being blind to all this. And now you see. And so you don't have any excuse. You can fight the good fight. Just fight it in the right place. Don't get all churchy. Fight the devil in your mind. And what you're looking, perceiving, keeping, conceiving, imagining. That's that's what really determines what we are. You think we're going to be judged by just the things we say and just by the things we do? You think God's got a checklist? And, and, you know, I don't believe in smoking and I don't believe in drinking and all that, but you think that's his checklist? No... Smoker? Non-smoker. Check that. You know. Drinker? Non-drinker. Check that one. You think God's going to go down the list checking that, that kind of stuff? No, all that's just outward manifestation of what's going on in your imagination, in your heart, in your thoughts. It's how you think and how you reason. It's what you believe, really, in your heart. Your ideas that you've formed in your mind by what you've half heard and half seen or misunderstood or been fooled by by what you've seen. That's, that's what really matters. Is God going to refine us down and find us pure or is He going to find all kinds of garbage and junk in us? I could just keep going, but I've got to stop. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank You for the Word of God. Thank You for the truths we've looked at here tonight, and I pray You'd help us, Lord, to understand and keep these things in front of our minds and hearts and thinking. And Lord, that it'd be a, a help to us with the children, with each other, with our own life and, and our heart and mind to walk in a way that's pleasing to you, Lord, here, that the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, we need this. So many people need this. I pray that it would, uh, that you'd bless it and help it to be heard in those that will use it and believe it and do something about it. Lord, deliver some soul with this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.